If you take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter chapter number 1, again, as we continue our study and looking at this. And, and this is going to a place. Tomorrow night, I hope that you'll see at the conclusion of this um, why I believe God impressed it upon me, not just to preach to you here. It'd be great if, if I could say, well, God gave me this message especially for you. Actually, God gave me this message especially for me. And because it was so life-changing, I thought, you know what? People need to hear this. Young people need to catch it when they're younger than, you know, some of us older folks who it is only half a life we have. I mean, I'm 51. I've got less than half a life left because you're only guaranteed 70 years and you're not even guaranteed that. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if I can, that song, the songs that were sung here tonight and chosen, I could not have handpicked them better myself. Because they go right along with, if I'm going to live a lively hope, what is going to motivate me to do that? Have you ever heard someone say, what's my motivation? What's my motivation? Or have you ever heard them say, I would do that, but I just don't know what my motivation. I need to be motivated. I want to be a motivational speaker tonight and give you the motivation for living like you have a lively hope. There is a reason I love it that the Bible doesn't say, do this. And then you go, well, how? Well, that's exactly what we're getting ready to find out. How do you live this way? I mean, honestly, you and I can't do it. I goof up every day. And when I get to the end of the day, some days I'm going, idiot. What's wrong with you? I hate myself. I do. Because my flesh, some days, I follow it. And the lust thereof. So if you stand with me, I know that's really funny. Calm down. <laughs> I always like it when the kids get tickled because the parents are going, shh, shh. First Peter chapter. Some people think that's disrespectful. It's okay with me. Go ahead and laugh. My family's laughed at me since, well, my children could speak. They'd go, <laughs> Daddy, funny. Okay, so, First Peter, chapter number one, verse number 13. Now some of you are saying, there are people in his head. Do the baby laugh for them. Do the baby do it, laugh. Do it. The baby laugh. That you did, used to do the twilight. Oh, the baby cry. The baby I'll do that a little later. Anyway, when we're reading the Word of God now, they're standing. They may not want to do that. All right. Let's bow our heads. Thanks a lot, Brother Jim. Come back, Ron. Come back. Get thee behind me, Satan. All right. (laughs) I've lost it. Here we go. Verse number 13. And this is an appropriate verse for where we are. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Oh, boy. Be sober. Ah, Too late. We've lost that. All right. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, 
who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Do you, do you know that we, we talked about this? You live what you believe. Amen. And how you live shows where your faith and hope is. It's interesting. We think we can just say with our mouths what we believe and then never live according to it. And that's the flesh. That's what the flesh does. But the truth is, you show forth by the way you're motivated to live this life that brings honor and glory to God and refers back and grabs a hold of the lively hope, you show forth where your hope is by the way you walk. Now, this is going to get a little pointed, maybe. And I know you're used to that because of your pastor. Because I've heard him preach. And he is pointed. And I love that. Because God doesn't want us to stand around guessing... What he means. We're not that smart. We can all, cannot all be Jim Alter. He's a smart man. But you know what? If God left one thing out, as smart as he is, he could never figure it out. Because God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are above our thoughts. There's just no way. So God's very direct here. So you and I can see where's my hope. Where is it? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us and for your word. And these people who many have worked all day, and no doubt they're, they're tired mentally, physically. God, I'm very thankful for folks that will give of their time to listen to the word of God. And it shows a great desire in this church, not just to be participants in fellowship, but no doubt, this, is an, this has been an effort for many here tonight, and I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that because of that, this time would be very much profitable Amen. for us. And that we would not be necessarily only beaten down, but we would be exalted and exhorted because we know your return is, is imminent. So help us, God, to see the truth and... And, and, and as we hear this, God, I just, I just ask you to do something for me. Remind me of the words of the songs we've sung tonight and how they speak to the truth of what you've done for us. And then the fact that we should be asking ourselves, and our, our, ourselves the question, am I living for you because of those things that you've done for me? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Whenever you start with a motivational speech, you try to establish or to help people come to a certain mindset. Now, I'm not a motivational speaker. Uh, you can ask my children. I just, my motivation was for them was, do better or I'll kill you. No, it wasn't that bad. But it was definitely, you can do better. And what you're doing by being lazy about it is not okay with me. Now, you, I know you can do better because you do better at X. So what you need to do is change your mind. I told you my, uh, right, my son hated, uh, he was homeschooled, and my wife uh, is uh, taught uh, um, high school English and science. And so she is a slave driver because she was trained to teach school in the, you know, 70s and 80s when there was like... And it was okay to be that if you're a teacher because people, parents wanted you to push your children to excellence. Now they just want your, our children to get by and get an education to say they have an education. And that's a whole story within itself, which I don't need to go into. So come back, Ron. And Stephen used to go like this. Better take my glasses. I can't do this. <laughs> I hate it. None of you know Twyla. She's about this tall. She would go down to Steve. She would be standing there next to Stephen. How old are you? Eleven. How old are you? Eleven. How old are you? Sixteen. I want you guys to live to be 12 is the reason I'm not doing this. Sixteen. 
Are you mean? No. Okay, good. She would go, Stan, look at me! <laughs> Some of you are going, oh, I'm not even kidding. I would begin to walk upstairs. If anything bad happens down here, I don't want to know. You will do what I say. I am not raising stupid. That's motivation. You can do that with your own kids. It's... The point was, and she would get to this, it doesn't matter what you like, you have to do it. You must change your mind. You have to do it. This is for a grade. And you will get a good grade. And I'd be going upstairs getting a drink. I got to go to the office. And it was my day off. Um, the truth is, you know what would best serve us in living this life on is a mind change. I need my mind changed about what's okay and what's not okay. And the only way I'm going to get that change is to be motivated to receive the change. Now, tomorrow night, we're going to look at how this all comes together in something that has been given to us that is, it's evident if you've read ahead in the chapter, you know exactly what it is. But the truth is, in this instance, what even is going to push me and motivate me and change my mind to begin to think on the things of God? What is going to push me? So he says there in verse number 13, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be, the, to be brought uh unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, since there's an end coming, remember we talked about that? This is not the end. Since there is an end coming, since Jesus Christ is going to return, since there is definitely a reason for us to be motivated and pressed toward this life that we're getting ready to be, according to Peter, and he uses the word many times, called to, called to. If you read Second Peter chapter number or 1 Peter chapter number 2, he says, you're called to this. 1 Peter chapter number 3, you're called to this. This isn't something that God is, he, he is uh, saying, uh, okay, this is optional. He's saying, this way, this way, I'm calling you to this life. I, I want you to experience, come, come this way. Like when you're walking around and your kids get away from you, you start calling their name. And, and if you see your child, and you look at him in the eyes and you say, come here. And they stand there and you say, here, here. Not there, here, here. Come here. And if they go, I don't mean tomorrow, I mean now. And if they stand there and go, You go, because of what? Here! 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 Don't make me come get you. You won't walk about coming! Come here! And you start walking to them, and they think about running, and they go, I better go there. Well, then it was too late for me, because the second time I was already done. I was like, ah! God calls us to this life and He does expect a response. He doesn't expect us to do it alone, but He does expect a response because we're called to it. And the way that I need to understand that is my mind needs to change about what I think is important. Amen. I need to realize some things about myself. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 5. There are many things in the scriptures, and I, there's no way that I could touch on all of them. We'd be here all night. But I just, I, I, I want to give you something that, that changed my mind about the way that I walk in this world, the way that I live in this world. My mindset needed to be changed about where my faith and hope should be because of who I am. So if you're, if you're an American, we, we were able to travel several years ago to South Africa. And we traveled to South Africa and, and every car there was small. 
the accommodations were not, I mean, it wasn't grass huts everywhere. Uh, and the place we stayed was very nice. But the truth is, never want to live in South Africa. We went to London and we were there a couple of days. And I love London. But the cars have to be small because the buses are so huge. They And the traffic. And it's just, no, I don't want to live in London. There were no SUVs in either one of these countries because it's the gas is prohibitive to own one. We got back, flew into Chicago, landed, and I saw SUVs in the parking lot. I said to Twyla, look, we're in America. We're in America. She goes, yes, look at the huge cars and people. Look at the huge cars. And I I said, isn't it odd the things that you notice? I I love being American. I'm very thankful for it. And I'm not down on people who aren't Americans at all. But there is a mindset to being an American. There is. We love our country. We should. Baptists have always loved their country. And we love the freedoms of our country. Now... You know how you were you developed that mindset? Your mind was developed over a period of time, just exactly like young people are being taught now different things than some of us were taught is because their minds are being molded and changed. So what's going to mold and change me? Well, understanding who I am. I know I'm an American. I wasn't a person fleeing to America. I wasn't a person coming to hide in America. I was an American. When I walked up to the passport desk, I was very proud to put my American passport there and say, I'm Ron Jones. Yes, that's me. Why? Because I'm an American. I belong here. I got to tell you, when I went through the other passport lines, there was a little nerve because I saw people in front of me taken off to the little search room. And I was like, oh, I hope I don't look guilty. You know why? I had no confidence going there because I did my mind. I knew I didn't belong there. I was going with a purpose to minister. But still, it was a little disconcerting. So when I'm in this world where I know I don't belong, what needs to be changed? Well, I need to realize who I am and why I know I don't belong here. So Ephesians chapter number five and verse number eight says this. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. And I love that that colon there because he just says this. He makes a statement. So walk as children of light. What? My mind needs to change. I was a child of darkness, but now I'm a child of light. The sometimes darkness means I had no understanding of God's word. The natural man cannot comprehend the things of God. Scripture made no sense to me. I should not live, therefore, now like I don't understand what God is saying in His Word, because the Holy Spirit, when He came in, He enlightened, He opened my eyes so that I can now understand why God gives certain direction. Why would God say that it's possible to bring glory in the trials and then it's okay to have joy and speak full of glory and bring God glory? Why would He say that? Well, there are reasons. Because my purpose is, if I understand... My purpose is no longer to please me or my flesh. My purpose is to glorify and honor God. So I'm walking as if I understand that. I belong in the Bible. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And then he gives this explanation. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know what uh, Brother Jim does in looking at different versions and and the different movements that have come and try to uh, disparage Baptists and try to put <clears throat> uh, uh, try to place Baptists in. It's almost like we're a fringe group. We're fringe believers. And he take hey, he's a defender of the faith. He takes a stand and says, no, no, no. And let me show you why these things should be reproved. It's always right to take scripture and reprove error. It's always right. Why? People need to know we're children of light. I have nothing in common. Nothing in common with an unbeliever. Of any faith, any creed, any unbeliever. 
It's not because I'm better. It's because I've been changed from a child of darkness into a child of light. Therefore, my mind needs to recognize I'm not like the people who walk in darkness anymore. Amen. I was there. I'm no longer there. What is So what does that open up to me? Okay, just a couple of brief little things. First of all, it opens up to me that if the natural man cannot accept the things of God, then things that I do as a Christian are never going to be understood by people who are not Christians. You can explain it all day. A lady came up to me at a meeting uh, where I preached just recently, and she said, I believe you to be a person who believes the Bible. And I know the pastor there, and I know how he preaches. He's preached at uh, Temple Baptist Church, and so I was like, why would she say that? I've asked several people this question. Can you, from a biblical position, prove the Trinity? I said, well, I can prove that it exists according to Scripture, yes. She said, well, I have a next-door neighbor who is completely unsaved, and he said he would give a million dollars to a person who could prove the Trinity exists to him. And I said, well, there's a problem. She said, what is that? I said, he, you said he was unsaved. Yes. So he doesn't understand, and there's no way to make this understandable to him. Changing the words will not make it more understandable. Changing the meaning will not make it understandable. And me explaining it just because I believe it will not make it understandable. If he gets saved, then he'll, by faith, do what I do. Accept it. Why? Because God said it. it. Can I prove it physically and dissect it physically? Physically, I cannot. But the scripture physically does. And that's where we have to understand. I cannot convince others that my life is right. That my trials, me going through these trials, I'm doing it to bring honor and glory to God. I'm holding on to the lively hope. People are going to see that in this world who are unsaved and they're going to go, you're nuts. Why are you going to church on Monday? Why would you push yourself? Your children uh, may be missing something at at school, and they're going to say, well, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know why you're doing that. It just seems stupid to me. Well, it does because they're unsaved. Why is it necessary to understand that? Okay, your motivation and my motivation cannot be that our friends in the world agree with our position and our movement in Christ. Did you hear what I said? Your unsaved friends should not be the motivation that causes you to desire to hold on to the lively hope. Your mind needs to change. They're never going to understand it. I have a brother that I love dearly. There were five of us boys, and we were always in trouble. And this brother is, is the third brother. His name's Tim. Love him. I, I love him. I love his family. But Tim thinks that everything we do is cuckoo. I can't believe you go to church. I can't believe you're a preacher. I know your life. I can't believe you would do this. And I said, but Tim, you know, aren't you concerned about going to heaven when you die? Hey, I'll take my chances. He wasn't raised that way. He was raised, he was raised in the same home I was, Baptist preacher. You know what Tim has that everybody has? Freedom to choose because he has individual soul liberty. And you know what I know? I can never convince Tim until he has accepted Christ that what I do is necessary and important, not for me, but for the glory of God. Amen. So please, change your mind. You, you, don't, you don't need to please the world. You can't. Folks, I think it's important for us to minister to the world, and I am for the trunk or treat, and I am for all of the things that you have going on here. But Brother Jim's not doing that to convince the world that we're all good guys. He's had the, he has the leadership of the Lord to glorify the Lord so that, perchance, some will accept Christ and hear the message. And that is what should motivate us, pleasing God, being those who walk in the light, and I have no fellowship 
with the unfruitful works of darkness. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by... What, is the, what are those two words there? Two words there. The light. So this is probably going to be... Come on, let's get it in our minds. This is probably going to be our life. I'm going to be around my unsafe friends and they're going to become uneasy. I'm a person who likes to be liked. I've, I've, everybody likes to be liked. I mean, there's not a person. I mean, there may be a person who says, I don't care if I'm liked or not. People can just, you know, stick it up their nose. I could care less. There may be a person here, Brother Jim. Uh, there may be people here. No, I love him. I know. Eh, you'll get over it. Anyway, uh, the truth is we all like to be liked. But here's the real truth. We're not always going to be liked. I know people who can't stand me. You know, it's okay. I can still live with myself. Because my life is not to please others. It's to glorify and please God. My mind needs to change. I'm no longer darkness. And and I guess this is the best way I can say it. And it's okay. It's okay not to be darkness anymore. It's okay not to be a child of the darkness. Young people, it's okay to believe in God. It's okay to be a witness. It's okay to be a testimony. The world's never going to agree with that. They're going to belittle you. They're going to besmirch you. They're going to mock you. Oh, your parents make you go to church. No, there should be a point where you say, no, I like going. Why? Because I'm not a child of darkness. Your parents may be making you right now, but it's because they... Maybe they're children of light and you don't understand yet because you haven't ever accepted Christ. I'm not against the darkness. We're called into the world to be the light, just like Jesus was. But the truth is, the world's never going to agree with us because the closer the light gets, the more reproving of the darkness and the works in the darkness there is. A church or a Christian should never desire to make themselves acceptable to the unsaved world. Acceptable. I didn't say we're set out to be angry with them. That's not at all what I'm saying. But if they're uncomfortable because they hear a message concerning light and darkness, don't excuse it, explain it. Take the Bible and show them how you once were a child of darkness. Let your mind change instead of saying, yeah, I know our preacher's kind of hard that way. Well, folks, I'm telling you, there's only one way to heaven. Amen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. People who really love to cling to the words of Jesus and disallow all the things that Paul wrote need to cling to that verse because Jesus wasn't kidding. Amen. He wasn't saying, I am a way. Or I am an option. He said, I am article, the way. I am the way. Not you, not your mind, not the world, not Satan, not the church. I am the way. Not baptism. I am the way. It's okay to say that's who, that's where I belong. I belong right there. I'm a child of that belief. It's okay. We need to change our mind because I think sometimes we're uneasy in that position. I love it. The thing I've always loved about Brother Jim, and I'm not trying to build him up in any way because that would be impossible. But I'm not not saying this because I'm here because I've said this to other people. The thing I've always liked about Brother Jim is when he is convinced of a position and he knows he's right according to the Scripture, he's like a pit bull. You might as well just... Go, all right, I'm not going to even talk to you about the... Okay, calm down, Jim. I'm with you. Peace, brother. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> when we talk about things, actually, I get to laughing, and I don't know if it makes him mad or not, but I laugh when he's... You can see the red. <laughs> but you know what? Can I tell you something? Put your mind at ease. You and I, every one of us who are children of light, 
should recognize and be okay with, we're not children of darkness. How am I going to glorify God? Change my mind. Change my mind. Go back to our text. Next thing that I see here that he says on down is he says, um, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. This is kind of a no need for explanation. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, not fashion yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Don't act ignorant when you've been educated. Amen. To please others. It, watch. We've heard people say this and use these verses out of context many times. Well, I got to be all things to all men. That's not what he meant. What he meant was, I can converse with those who don't understand the Scriptures and break it down for them, or I can converse with those who do, or I can converse with kings, or I can converse with paupers and make this gospel understandable because a child can understand it. I don't have to be aloof in my presentation like, I'm so much better because... No, 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 no. I no longer walk in darkness because of one reason. The blood of Jesus Christ. There's not a person in here who say, well, I, one day I chose, I got under great conviction, I fell down on my face, <laughs> cried out to God, and I arose. Man, this light came down out of the ceiling. Oh, I heard angels. And they were saying, looking for the city. And they were coming down. I, I was like, oh. I just accepted Jesus. And so I had a special more experience than you did. You know what the beautiful thing is? I was raised, I know some of you are paying, he is different, different. Um, he's special, he's special. Um, the truth is that I was raised in a, in a Baptist preacher's home. And can I tell you something? If you were saved out of alcoholism or drugs or whatever, I had to get saved the same exact way you did. There's nobody better saved than anybody else. Well, I have a great testimony. Congratulations. Here's mine. Uh, Jesus Christ died according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I think that's the only verse any of us can cling to. Well, you know, you didn't see this verse that I saw. Oh, no, their experience doesn't make you a better Christian. In fact, it's experience should really not be the place you're grabbing hold of the lively hope. The Bible gives us specific direction, and I love it that he stops here and he says, As obedient children, not fashion yourselves according to the formal lesson of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You want my motivation? You want a change of mind? Why should I attain, or why should I live according to the Bible? Brother Ron, I just can't do it. Why should I do it? I love it. He says, Just be obedient and do it. And I love Listen to the word, because it is written, be holy as I'm holy. Wait a minute, I can't do that. Exactly. That's exactly the conclusion he wants us to come to. The children of Israel could not keep the law. What makes us think that we're going to be able to do any better than they did? We can't do it. But there was an unction given to us at salvation that they did not have. The Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God teaches me that de denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Because the grace of God has been revealed, has been, has been opened up to all men. If I see that, here's what it tells me. I can be, you right now, sitting in the, the pew, can know the Word of God, as well as, if not better, than either one of us know it. Because it doesn't take anything but surrender and obedience to the truth because it is written. Amen. That's all it takes. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. 
you saw the sergeant's guy screaming, I don't think so! Right? You're dividing the word of truth. Every time I say that verse now, that's going to pop in my brain. I'm going to stop. People are going to go, he's lost it. And I'm going to say, I don't think so! <laughs> Great stuff. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. What is it going to take? Obedience to the word. I love it because Peter doesn't say, Why? well, I know this is going to be hard. He just says this, obey because it is written. Amen. I, and Brother Jim and I have talked about this, and so I don't feel uncomfortable saying it in front of you. But one of my, I say this at Temple Baptist Church all the time. One of my big problems is, is people that set their own doctrine and standards forth. And they say, if you don't live in this box that we've created, then you're wrong. No, 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 no. I I stand here and I do it with great confidence that if it's written in the word of God, I am going to preach it until the paint peels off the walls. But if it's not written here, then it's my opinion and my opinion stinks to God. He did not give us his word for us to complete. He gave us his word to obey. Period. Because it is written. Our mind needs to change about obedience. There is not a soul in this room that has a child that should accept. Notice I did not say that will accept because I know their parents are different. But I will tell you right now, when I looked at, I, I, at the beginning of every summer, in, and we started this in Stillwater, and then every summer since that, summer was a very busy time in Stillwater. Vacation Bible school, eating goldfish, eating worms. There were many things that Brother Jim and I had to do just to please the kids. And uh, going to Mexico, that's a nightmare. Hey, don't talk to Mexico about Brother Jim. He hates the place. So uh, it's just that moment, that, that, that time there. Brother Jim about Mexico. Yeah, don't ask him about him, about Mexico. Don't, don't ask him at all. Um, anyway, <laughs> I mentioned it the other night, and Miss Laura goes, I'm leaving. I don't. This this is going to get ugly. I just did. You have to say Mexico. That's all. Evidently, it's still a sore spot in his memory. But sorry, that's a whole nother story. But the truth is, none of us in here are going to look at our kids and go, "Oh, that's okay if you don't obey." No, no, no. I know you're allowed your opinion, especially when they're three, two. No. When you see them turn around and look at you and go. That's why the Bible says you're supposed to drive, you know, evil out of them. And it's sometimes a long drive for some children. Yeah, move on! What? I have a question for you. If God said it and he just asks us to do it because it is written, do you think that he, and he's so much more long-suffering than we are, I'm so glad for that. Amen. Because I'm telling you, every one of us would be little grease spots. <laughs> Even right now, something might be in your mind that's not supposed to be. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If we were God, that's how we would treat people. But you know what's so amazing? He looks down and he goes, you know what? I've numbered their days. And they've asked, it says in the psalm that help us to number. So I'm going to help them. I love them. You know, I want them to be holy like I'm holy. And they're not going to make it on their own. So I'm going to help them by the blood of Jesus Christ, which is exactly where we're going, to be holy when they cannot be holy. I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit of God So that they'll understand, and come on, if you're a Christian and you read the Bible or you've heard a message and God begins to prompt your heart, you don't even, nobody comes to you and grabs you and shakes you, but sometimes a message can be preached and it may not be about anything that is in the message, but God's going to this. And you're, you're standing there in the invitation, you're going, just as I am, I'm not leaving here. Because if I give in, everybody will laugh and sneer. Because I am so evil, 
I'm the only one here just as I am. I come. I'm not going. Why? Because if I have to deal with that and obey, then I'm going to have to admit that I'm not the person that I'm supposed to be. You know, the best thing to do is start admitting it and start obeying. Why? Because it is written. If we would get that attitude just because God said it, it should be good enough. But I think it's because of this, and I love it, because I do not believe that God has anything in Scripture out of order. These Scriptures that we have are so wonderful to help us to understand us and what His desire is for us. It says, verse number 17, And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Okay? There's a colon there. He's getting ready to tell us why we should live here in fear. And this fear is not an afraid fear, although it is an afraid fear. It's a righteous fear. It's a fear of respect. But it is a fear to say, you know what? God is God. He is God. But here's what he says. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Remember, we're talking about a lively hope and being attached to the lively hope. So he says, do you want to keep that fresh? You and I need to change our thinking and be motivated by the preciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. What makes something precious? Well, sometimes it's value. So we could say this, the value of Jesus Christ's blood. It was very valuable. Can you imagine God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have ever, everlasting life. Do you see there that God cared about the world before the world cared about itself? God loves you more than he loves his own son because he crucified him. According to Isaiah 53, it pleased him that he suffered. It pleased God that he suffered for you and me. That's very valuable blood. Very valuable that God placed you and said, I'll crucify my son for Ron Jones. If you were the only person in the world, that's how valuable you were to God. That's a blood of great value. The other thing that makes it is, is a rarity. Something that's rare is precious, like precious stones. You know what? Jesus Christ is the only one who could have done the work on the cross. There was no other blood acceptable to God. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect redeemer, the perfect king. Sometimes we just don't value that blood. We don't consider it rare. You couldn't have died for you. You'd have gone to hell. I, I, I'm telling you, it, your blood wouldn't have been enough sacrifice for God. Because Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. He didn't sin. He knew no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 2. Just watch him expound upon this a little bit. Verse number 21. For even here in two were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. My soul, look at that. Because of his blood, I now can be righteous. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be called the righteousness of God in him. Without Jesus Christ, 
His blood is so rare, no one could have done the work that Jesus Christ did. Listen, we're not saved by corruptible things. I'm not saved because I believe in Baptist creeds or because I believed in some church's creed. I'm not saved because some man passed it down to me. My dad's been a Baptist preacher all my life, but I wasn't saved because he was a Baptist preacher. I had to respond to the truth that Jesus Christ's blood is the only blood that could have been shed to save me. The only blood. I don't think we understand It wasn't bulls and goats and lambs. Read Hebrews. They were not acceptable to God. They were a picture. To show the Jews that one day the Messiah would come and give himself a ransom for many. And would redeem those that were under the law. My soul. No one could have done that. Do you get that? No. God did not just come up with it. Satan and, and Jesus were talking in front of God one day and Jesus said, well, I'll go. And Satan said, well, I'm your brother and I'm not. That's ah! It's a lie. This blood is not just some kind of blood that should have no value. And this is not just some blood that is just anybody's blood would have done. Hey, I love to read Paul. I love to see the life of Peter changed. I love all that. But their blood was not acceptable. There were men. Sin. The life is in the blood. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He was protected in that womb. He was separated to God, set forth to redeem man. There was never another plan for Jesus. Do you understand that? There was never another plan. God didn't say, well, the Jews, they didn't keep my plan, so I've come up with another plan. No, 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 no. This plan to use this very rare blood, this very valuable blood, this plan didn't just come out of God's head one day whenever the Jews didn't do what they said. No, no, no. The Bible tells us here that he was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. God planned it. It's it's hard to be motivated when you don't have Something to live for. But the the value, the preciousness of Christ's blood. Well, that that should stir me up a little bit. I should be. I should want to be different. And it should be okay to be different because he was different. And the Bible says I'm called to that. I need to change my mind about. Who Jesus is, he, he, folks, he wasn't one of many saviors. He's the only savior. There, there aren't many ways to heaven. There's one. That's precious. It's rare. And to live opposite of anything from that would be placing more importance on the tradition of our fathers then it would be on the preciousness of God's plan and the blood of Jesus Christ. God wasn't fooling around when he came up with this plan. I know it's hard for us to understand, but God didn't, when Adam ate the fruit and God said, who told you that you were naked? He knew the answer. Well, how do you know? Because... He verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times to you. God always had a plan. To think that God didn't know that man was wicked. He knew if he gave man a free free will, man would have the freedom to choose. Can I tell you something? God's okay with that. He's not bearing down on every person and saying, you're going to do what I say. That's what I love about being a Christian. The freedom that we're saved into because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ is not a, a, is not a freedom for Brother Jim to begin to uh, execute judgment and justice upon every person in this church. And I know he believes this, otherwise I'd never say it. Because I've got to be honest with you, there's some churches I've been in where if I ever said that, the pastor would say, you're undermining my authority. No, no, no. I, I believe that Brother Jim has the authority of the Scriptures as the leader of this church. He is the man who's responsible for God. If he wants that responsibility, then bless God, he can have it. But he doesn't have the authority or the responsibility to waltz into your home and make you 
make Jesus' blood precious. God wants Jesus' blood to be precious to you because you want it to be precious. It's already precious to Him. And He was willing to shed it for you. He wants our mind to change. That what we're doing is not some fake. I know people get uncomfortable with emotion. But our problem is we don't value the blood of Jesus Christ as precious. We act like it's an on-the-shelf commodity. And it isn't. You know, you, you want to be driven to be holy? Change your mind about the fact that you're no longer a child of darkness. And the world's not going to agree with you. Change your mind about obeying the scriptures. But if you want to be driven, change your mind about the value of Christ's blood. If any one of us lost a child in here, or have lost a child, that child is still precious. And of great value to your memories and to your heart. Consider that value cannot compare to the value that God placed on the precious blood of Christ. And yet, He was slain before the foundation of the world. For the world. You want to be motivated? Consider the precious gift, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It changed my life because I realized I treat it like it's a Walmart commodity. And folks, the blood of Jesus Christ is beyond anything we can measure in value. And we treat it and cast it aside. So we despise the scriptures. And we continue to walk as children of darkness. Not being concerned with what it cost to gain righteousness in him. Peter wasn't mincing words. It is time to change our minds. To hold on to the lively hope you have to believe, first of all, there is a lively hope. And it can only be obtained in Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed.